thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. This is going to be the Zykus Procurement Tete-a-Tete. Uh, in today's episode, we'd love to talk about the disruptions currently in the marketplace with COVID-19 and how these potentially impact government procurement in Australia and New Zealand. Also, we want to have a conversation around the unique nature of government procurement, some of the challenges the government faces and potential solutions to it. My name is Tarkas Ran. I look after Zykus for the ANZ region. And today to talk to some of the detail of this, we have one of Australia's most experienced procurement leaders, Phil Chalkley. Phil's had over 25 years experience in the procurement market with uh, uh, a range of roles and being in the forefront of many procurement transformation projects across both commercial and the government sectors. Thanks so much for joining us today, Phil. Pleasure. Thanks, Tarkas. It'd be great just to start with maybe a bit of a background of, of your procurement career. Are you able to just give us a bit of uh, some, some high levels of, of what you've done uh, in your, your many years in the market? <laughs> sure. So, um, yeah, so as you indicated, I have been around for a long time. I've been sort of procurement and supply chain for 25 plus years. Um, yeah. um, Australia, UK, Asia, US. Um, very much been around. Um, a lot of the, um, you talk about transformation, so reform, continuous improvement, um, yeah. constantly sort of looking at how to uh, react to changes that are happening, be it driven by our competitors or through other uh, dynamics. And, you know, this, the pandemic is a good example of how, yeah. how do we uh, react and maintain the business in, when, in such a situation. Um, been lucky enough to work through the whole spectrum of supply chain and procurement and heading up multiple functions, uh, directly managing performance of procurement or the supply chain function, and yeah. big believer in technology and how that has supported my sort of um, delivery of that for particular uh, businesses or organisations yeah. or, or bodies through that through my my career. So fantastic. Yeah. And you've had experience both in the commercial sector and also in the government. Are they massively different, in your opinion, or are there lots of uh, differences between the two? There, there, there's some similarities and some significant differences. Yeah. So the the process is generally, you know, in terms of procurement, the process is generally the same. How you go to market, you know, contract yeah. management, um, etc. The, the what does change is probably around things like transparency or or how we react to changes um, yeah. and I'll come to that bit um, but also things like there are additional considerations that um, government need to consider and, and, and by and large that's around um, you know the communities the people within the communities jobs, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. ensuring that, you know, at the end of the day, government is to provide um, feedback and support into the growing community. And, the, the, and so it's slightly, and you don't have shareholders other than the people within that community or that, yeah. um, the electorate or, you know, environment. And so that's probably one of the big dynamics is um, often you're not looking at cost savings. Yeah, you're looking about how do we optimize the sort of uh, taxes, the money that comes in from from yeah. the public. How do we optimize that to get get the community best value? 
Well, that's a, that's a really interesting fact because you look at the way some of the news um, in the recent days has come out about the different ways that companies versus governments are managing this, this COVID-19 issue. And one of the things I saw is that the companies were driving costs down and how do we go into a holding pattern very, very rapidly. Whereas government was almost completely the opposite. They wanted to continue the spending to make sure people were uh, not not knocked out of jobs. But one of the big things I saw announcements in the Victoria government was an announcement, a commitment to try and pay vendors within five days, which is almost unthinkable from a government perspective. So very different approaches, even though the same problems hit both companies. Absolutely. Spot yeah. on. Um, you know, companies will straight away go, in, go into, I'll say, a cash flow management um, mm. dis discussion along with continuity of supply and, and things like that. Um, government's first reaction is continuity of supply yeah. and ensuring that job losses are of a minimum and that, yeah. and in a government context, government generally doesn't manufacture, doesn't deliver services generally. It outsources basically all of that to others to do, perform. Um, yes, there are large parts where they do um, own and take responsibility, but fundamentally a large part of the spend the government gets involved in is, is management of an outsourced supply or service. Mm -hmm. And so um, by them maintaining that you know, continuity supply is actually maintaining that those suppliers uh, keep operating, can keep delivering a service, can, can keep delivering, uh, maintaining jobs for as long as they possibly can, and that's and that then feeds into the local community and and etc. Um, to maintain the the turning of the the um, economy, the the community. Um, and et cetera. So it is a very different dynamic. Um, still the, you know, um, and that's where, as I said, the electorate, the community is is the fundamental, I'll say, government shareholder versus the private sector, which is, you know, the the, the shareholders or the, the owners will try to protect their, um, their business. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, there are subtle differences there, but they're, they're very important. Um, they are. I, I think one of the things right now, uh, I'd be interested to get your views on this, is, is that the, the COVID-19 has created a lot of doom and gloom out there in the marketplace mm -hmm. across the world. We've seen the share market prices go up and down quite rapidly in the last few days. Um, and I think what it has highlighted is some industries and businesses were maybe better prepared than others in handling such a, a unique crisis which kind of no one really has experienced in most of their lifetimes um especially around different business continuity and area like that do, do you have any thoughts on on how governments ready to handle this situation they've done very well in my opinion but kind of were they ready for this or is it very much something they planned for these kind of very unique situations um, ooh. well, probably actually before I answer that question, I will say, um, just going back to your previous question, one of the big differences in when you talk about shareholder, um, share values and things like that and a reaction in the market to this pandemic 
You can yeah. see how, um, and the US is a great contributor to this, the moment a, a president or a prime minister or a premier or a treasurer makes comments in a government context, yeah. um, how the, the stock exchanges react, positive or negative. Yeah. And so it does show how influential a government is versus a private sector organisation. Mm -hmm. Uh, yet, and it's purely off verbal communication. So you know, the the all this um, money that the governments are investing or, or freeing up to to put out into the the community as part of a um, you know sort of um, mm -hmm. I've forgotten the term that they're using for it, but um, to prop up and support companies and individuals during this pandemic. It's a great example yeah. where government can influence the market, yet it, it isn't doing, it isn't buying anything less or buying anything more. It's just yeah. a lot of great communication. Um, now, in terms of your question, governments do operate and uh, react to a pandemic or a, a crisis, no different to the private sector um, mm -hmm. in general. But you're right, not all. Governments aren't necessarily experienced in um, being ready for that these sort of situations. And if I take my own experience in when I was in the private sector, um, they would regularly um, do tests of BCP, especially around critical supplies, um, yeah. and test with the suppliers around how robust and try different. You know, uh, might be around. Um, God forbid, you know, bomb scares or could be around um, technology um, viruses and things like that. And so different streams, mm. something mm. of this manner, I think, uh, like the pandemic, um, some organisations were, were ready and had tested for, you know, these sort of scenarios, maybe not necessarily on the global scale, but a localised scale. Government, my experience is government, doesn't necessarily test their business continuity plans as as often as the private sector. Yeah. Um, they also have, um, um, they probably may not have foreseen, like a lot of people, may not have foreseen a pandemic that really has globally taken over, um, you know, the community and really um, demoralised the supply chain. In some respect, yeah. um, and so it's like many places become very reactionary um, and really hard to stay on, stay at the front. Again, for the government, they they're having to toss up that piece around. We've got to keep the communities and jobs and supply going, but as I said before, they, they outsource so much to third parties. And those third parties are having to downsize and react mm. to the very scenario. And so government is now caught in a bind where they're reliant on a third party to de deliver the supply, but that third party is themselves re revisiting their structure, their delivery arms and et cetera, yeah. and downsizing or sending people home to mm -hmm. operate from home, which adds a bit of, I'll say, interim inefficiencies. In there, yeah, um, and so yeah, it's a 
bit of a, a sort of connection interface reactionary space that we've got going at the moment between government and private sector. Um, but by and large, they 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 do experience the exact same pains, the exact same yeah. experiences, and they have to internally are having to manage. You know, the Victorian government, yep, have sent staff home to work from home as part of yeah. the you know the pandemic and making sure people were locked down in their homes. You know, so they follow the same rules, I'll say, but probably not as effective or as efficient as the private sector. Yeah. Doing that. Yeah, just of the size is one of the things. I, I think one one of the things I, I, I'm seeing is trying to understand that the role that digital procurement helps counter some of this disruption. And one of the things that immediately jumps to my mind is the um, the ability nowadays, because we've suddenly been housebound, the ability to still do your job in a very simple manner. All you need is a web browser to be able to access things nowadays, as opposed to the old days where you had to have a on-premise environment, which means downloading stuff onto a laptop or having a VPN set up. Do, yep. do you think digital technology is going to help counter some of this disruption? I do. And I, I think, um, you know, digital procurement has really allowed us to that flexibility. Um, and, you, you know, extending uh, digital procurement into just, you know, the ability to hold, you know, add, say, um, video conferencing, Zoom, and Skype mm. and the business and those sort of tools onto the digital procurement space has allowed procurement to be able to be mobile. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be office based. It can be absolutely, as you said, the 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 professional, the practitioner could be at home and has no difference to how yeah. they they operate. Um, you know, so especially now with cloud as well. You know, it's so much easier, as you said, using a web browser and being able to yeah. upload and download um, through the cloud, that it has allowed us to be more um, adaptable. And in yeah. some respect, you know, it's a, agile is probably a, the, so yeah. it, you're allowing your business to be a bit more, have a bit more nimble, uh, nimble or agility to yes. be able to stretch and go, well, I've got multiple sites effectively and etc so absolutely i think it's um yeah. it has um allowed us to be to be able to adapt to these sort of scenarios where i look back you're right 15 years ago or 10 yeah. years ago even um it wouldn't have it would have been a, a far bigger challenge because yes. you, know, you wouldn't yeah. have laptops a lot of a lot of staff wouldn't have laptops they wouldn't be able yeah. to work remote access from home things like that so um, it has absolutely given us a greater depth in managing these type of scenarios. Yeah, it's interesting. In the last couple of days, uh, just personally, uh, I, I normally have kind of three to four customer-facing meetings a day, and and today I've had seven um, because yeah. suddenly you've lost that travel requirement between meetings. Um, mm -hmm. They've been back to back. It's really difficult, but but it's it's almost an improvement on the day-to-day -day activity because of technology. Now you use Skype, you use, as you say, WebExes to have back-to-back -back meetings and that kind of face-to-face -face activity, even though it's always better to be face-to-face, -face, um, yeah. has been removed. So you can be a little bit more productive in some instances. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I personally think the experience of this, although it's a lot of pain, mm. I think businesses will realise that actually, you know, working from home is not as complex or it's not as scary as it 
and it, it can be just as effective. And then I yeah. think a lot more people will take it up working from home. And you can trust your um, users as well. I think that's a big thing because I think working from home has an inherent trust aspect. And I think because everyone's in the same place, we now know that uh, it can work and people are still productive. The question's always going to be, have they lost any productivity by being at home? And how do we take that into account when we when we put people yeah, on board right. projects? No. The, the interesting yeah, other area is, is around poverty. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Tarkis, can I just add to your your uh, just to your earlier point around technology and digitalize? Mm. One of the now is you know, and your Zykus tool is a great example of where it's now highly configurable. So during an emergency scenario like this, yeah, that very much the the owner or a system administrator can go in and make some adjustments to different, um, you know, sort of processes or practices and to make it during a workflows that during an emergency some things may be simplified purely yes. to for speed to market sort of responses. And again, yeah, that's something. Historically, hasn't been available to us, and so to be able to do that and react quickly and turn things on and off, uh, change you know sort of workflows is beautiful. It's powerful. It means we're we're able to react a lot faster to it. No, it's a, it's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that, and I suppose being able to do that at the user level rather than having to get in IT is mm. is, is helpful as well. Because right now I know IT is flat chat. They have got to get everyone's laptops up and running. They've got to sort out all these mm. other areas, and and going and and having people available to go and change a simple workflow is is just not. They're not people there. So that's right. Or relying on a third party, external party, to do it yeah. when they're in being um, hit by multiple other organisations at the exact same time to make yeah. changes yeah. to their on in-house application or their you know. It, it, absolutely, it's another positive for digital, you know, yeah, digital absolutely. procurement absolutely. systems. 